Kay Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to A Little Better. Today is Monday, March 30th. This is Another day where we have found another round of information coming at us about COVID-19. So as of, I guess, yesterday, we are social distancing for another month. So I hope you guys are ready to hunker down and continue to hear some uh, maybe poor quality audio on this podcast. But thanks for joining in. Hey, Drew, how are you doing? I am doing good. Just trying to continue to make new ways to enjoy this self you know, distancing period or whatever, like social distancing period. Yeah, uh, all the introverts celebrated (laughs) President Trump's announcement (laughs) and you and I are over here a little concerned. Although I feel like we've talked about it. It's not as bad as maybe we thought because at the moment there's still the honeymoon phase of let's do house projects and in about a week I'm going to be saying, please let me out of this house. Yeah, by by April 30th, I think I might be shaking slightly a little bit. I hear that. I hear that. Um, but hey, let's let's start with some positive stuff. Enough about COVID. Let's think about some wins that we've seen coming out of you know our services and what God's doing, even just during the week. So, what's our what's our total for this weekend in terms of people placing their faith in Christ? What's that looking like? Yeah, man, this weekend was just amazing. Uh, people just responded to the gospel. God's moving in people's lives. We saw 18 people say yes to Jesus this weekend. So that brings our total up in two weekends to 26 people saying yes to Jesus. Let's pray. I mean, praise God. He's working and, and man, I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part of it and celebrate with those people. Yes, that was amazing. And I love that in the middle of all those big numbers, we also got to zoom in on a particular story this weekend during our services. And you see a story of life change, um, which I loved, by the way, that that happened in an empty room. Like seeing that, seeing the video end, she comes up out of the water and they hug and there's no applause. <laughs> I thought that I was awesome. What- I think one of the most awkward things I've ever experienced in ministry was Nate Bannell, as he's walking through the service, he was like, hey guys, I hate to be the guy that says this, but when she gets baptized, please don't anybody scream or cheer because it will sound really awkward in the recording. (laughs) And so everybody in the room was like doing air fist pumps, like celebrating and screaming, but making no noise. And it was just really cool. I also think one of the coolest things I've experienced in ministry was on the chat, um, you know, watching the service and seeing multiple people at the 1030 service say, I said that prayer, like in the chat, it just kind of went crazy and seeing all the people in there celebrating with those people who said yes to Jesus was just like, I got chills. Like I was Hmm. on this emotional high of like, wow, God, you're so amazing. Yeah, it was definitely a special time. And I love that those uh, videos, of course, or services are available on demand if people want to jump in and watch those at any time. And we're going to continue to see. I keep getting text updates from you as people continue to watch it. And we have another service tonight, uh, Monday night. So hopefully those numbers will continue to go up. Not about big numbers. It's about people placing the faith in Christ. And the bigger the number, it just means more stories that we're going to get to tell down the road of what God's done. So that's why we love that stuff. Uh, But hey, how did the TV thing go? I think this was our first weekend on TV, right? On the CW? Yeah, it was great. Um, We 
Uh, I heard a lot of people that were very thankful um, for the extra easy access. I think for our, some of our elderly folks, it's just easier to access cable. It's right there. There's, you know, the stream doesn't buffer or anything like that. So I think a lot of people were thankful. A lot of uh, families, even the the lady who hooked us up with um, the TV option, she watched. So she works That's for so cool. the cable company, and she sent us some like, "Wow, this was so different than any church I've experienced. It was relatable, and it was just really cool to see her feedback and and how God is just working in her life. And man, there's just so many opportunities out there that God is opening doors to that I'm not sure we would have ever had access to if this virus didn't come. And so crazy yeah and we got people we uh, we did things a little differently which we'll talk about um we had to edit it down and we used different announcement videos and that kind of thing just because of the nature of the broadcast and so instead of having people fill out the connect tab because they can't do that on the tv we just gave a phone number they could text or call and i think we got like eight text messages and Mm -hmm. like two or three phone calls or something so and uh, again a number of those were from people that are not currently connected to our church so that's a pretty cool uh you know it just means that we're accessing people we wouldn't have normally accessed yeah it's really cool to see god work in in unique avenues so what are we right now what are we thinking differently how are we thinking differently about our services trying to be strategic obviously this is a monumental change one that our church and really no churches have ever experienced before um at least that we're aware of so how are we thinking differently about service planning? It kind of feels like a lot of our habits and routines are broken at some level just by the nature of what we're doing. So what are we changing? What have you seen us work through in order to make our services make sense? Yeah, I think the list actually might be shorter to tell you what we're not changing. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, man, there's just a lot that is is evolving and changing from day to day, let alone week to week. But a couple things is just, you know, now that we're on TV, we have to record on Wednesday. Um, So that puts a unique wrench in where, you know, we have to have those videos to the TV producers by Thursday at 5 p.m. So that's moved our entire recording schedule up, you know, pre-preaches, just everybody's got to be prepared in advance. I think of, you know, giving normally, you know, in a service, we pass the bucket. Now we have to be intentional to give people on ramps because giving online, it's easy just to throw, you know, for people to, to put money in the bucket. It's really easy for, uh, that to happen. Now with online, everything's virtual. So we got to walk people, cast vision, um, you know, and you know, our mission and message hasn't changed. It's just the way we share it. You know, we're matching our, our value of relevance, but you know, we're just trying to adjust to, to the new circumstances and the way we reach people and really making more and better disciples. Yeah. I think you're right to say, it's all about you know us adapting with relevance. We've said that for a long time. Now we just have a form of relevance we're not used to yet. So there's a learning curve. Um, I know like having shot video announcement scripts before and now doing them, we've changed the language around. We are really trying to avoid time references, which we try to do already, but it's especially important now to not say like this morning, we have services that aren't in the morning or we can't say thanks for joining us online because now we have people joining us on TV or even like the fact that you are putting your email up for people to respond if they've placed their faith in Christ. Like that's something we, I would guess we would not normally do and we have not done in the past, but that's just because maybe somebody sitting in their living room, they don't have a connection to our church. They can't talk to their campus pastor at next after the service or whatever. So they 
we have to come up with new ways to do this. Um, and we, and we have so many new ways people can contact us in the sense of like all of our services have just kind of unique channels for people to respond. So like TV, we have a text message to a live person, you know, on, on the live stream, you can chat in, in the actual, during the service with hosts and pastors. They, there's just so many ways people can communicate with us, which is so amazing, but it creates uh, a lot of avenues for our staff to have to be ready and prepared. Yeah, I know our connections team, I, I serve with that team a bit. Um, and they're all of their routines, which they're a very routine based team. They're all about you get a te- I mean, you get a connections card, you follow up that week, you follow the systems. It's very procedural because it needs to be to make sure nobody slips through the cracks. And now we have like a hundred new procedures and it's just really hard to make sure that we're not missing anybody. But, um, that's the whole goal right now. I mean, that's what our staff is up to, which uh, by the way, how is it leading a remote staff? What, what are our people up to? What are, what is everybody even doing? <laughs> Yeah, one thing we've really tried hard at is to keep our normal rhythms. Um, you know, we still meet as a staff. So if you've ever done a Zoom or a Google Hangout with like 41 people, it's quite crazy and interesting. Yeah. But we've just adjusted and make it work. People are meeting with their supervisors. So like our staff is still, you know, working full gear. Some of their job descriptions have kind of adjusted based on, you know. Or completely changed in every way. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to say that. But yeah, you're right. They have completely and utterly changed. And it's just been really cool to see our team rally and get behind, you know, our circumstances and really want to see us take ground for the kingdom of God. And we really have done that. And I'm, I'm just honestly, you know, for you guys listening, I'm really proud of our staff and how flexible they've been. I'm really proud of that, the hard work. It would be easy right now in this season to be like, oh, it's time to take a vacation. It's time to take a break. But like we have just hit the ground running. I mean, I think of guys like Josh Horn and Michelle who have just loved our community through food and blood drives. I think of, you know, our video and production team who have stepped their game up, have had their you know, their schedules utterly changed and are just cranking it out for the mission. Our connections team, they've got people connecting with them through so many different ways and they're just responding. It's been awesome to watch. Absolutely. I agree. And even I know my job description changed this week. I was um, chief phone caller for the Henrietta campus, <laughs> except for I wasn't the chief one because Lara Cabuano like crushed me. She said she made so many more calls than I did. She was, that was awesome. Our team, uh, you know, we tried to call Almost everyone that's connected to our church in the last six months got a call from somebody mm. on our staff this week. So those are the kinds of things we're doing to stay connected. But anyway, let's talk about the Good Samaritan. Um, that was what Sunday's message was all about. Thanks for uh, delivering that, giving an opportunity for all of us to you know reevaluate how we see other people and even place our faith in Christ, uh, those who had a chance to do that. But um, I, I'm wondering... That was the, We were on the Israel trip together, obviously, the ones that we've done together. And... The first time we went to the Jericho Road was our first trip to Israel together. So this, when we were just filming there, was not your first time there. But tell me about your first time on the Jericho Road. How did that change your perspective on the passage, or what did it bring to light for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one, I, I don't know why, I just didn't picture like the drop-offs off that road. You know, mm-hmm. like I thought it was kind of built... Um, between two mountains that were like smashed together and there was like a road like between but like if you drive this road or you walk this road like there are some sheer cliffs that you you slip off of you're toast man like it's a date like and just how dangerous the road is even today 
So like it's not it's not even a safe road now. Like us shooting, we were safe. It, we were like in any present danger. But like it's not the the safest road. I remember the first time we went there, our guide was driving. We got to Jericho and like. He we he was like oh no and you never want to hear your guide say those words like oh no what what did you just say there was like tires burning and we were like uh are are we good he's like yeah we're just gonna turn around and go the other way yeah and I'm like okay we were gonna take the highway home and we ended up having to take that same Jericho road which is super steep going we went down it on the way to Jericho that was fine but then we had to drive back up it and there were spots where like the road had been intentionally destroyed to make it a little harder to go on. And we legit at one point were pushing the car up the hill. So mm-hmm. all of that to illustrate the point that the road is dangerous today, it would certainly have been more dangerous then, oh, yeah. especially without a police force, you know, making sure that there right. aren't robbers, like whatever. Um, well, and I think if you, if you see the clips, man, you could easily see where robbers could hide. Like right. picturing like you, you walk down a road, like wouldn't you see robbers? But when you walk on the road, you're like, man, there are so many places to hide, disguise yourself. Mm-hmm. And it would be easy to be taken advantage of on that road. Yeah. And by the way, it looked like another planet with the sky in the background. Tell, rem- tell our listeners about what the weather was like that day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a hard day to shoot that, that message. And I'm amazed at our video team because the wind was blowing at like 20, 20- 20 miles per hour like it For was sure. just crazy one kudos to whoever makes my hair gel too because that that <laughs> my hair just stayed in place like good Unreal. job guys <laughs> um but yeah it was windy the wind was blowing there was dust in our eyes and then in the background god is just showing off he's like oh here's a purple sky and then here's a, a really bright sky and here's i'm a just gonna make this amazing <laughs> When I saw the footage, I was like, it looks like we're on a green screen. It's just that awesome of a shot. Totally. And it had been raining all day. We were really just there to scope it out. And then it turned out it was nice enough to record. We're like, let's go for it. But, um, okay. So you talked about the Jews and the Samaritans being like mortal enemies and hating each other. So I feel like a little bit of background on that, or I mean, we can just talk about it, whatever. I just think that that's helpful because you, you mentioned that they were enemies, but not why or how. So I, I feel like there's more to that story. Yeah, I mean, the the point is not why they hated each other, it's that they hated each other. I mm-hmm. mean, it just it makes the good Samaritan that much more of a good Samaritan. Sure. Because it's easy for me to love people I love. Like mm-hmm. that's easy, but to love someone I hate, I, I'm trying to think of a hatred that I would have towards somebody like the good Samaritan would have had towards the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Maybe like terrorists, like sure. it'd be like a ter- terrorist laying on the side of the road. Someone who I know like Osama bin Laden, even though he's, he's not alive anymore. <laughs> right. Um, but to see him lying on the side of the road and to stop and help him. Sure. Like that is, a, that's, that's the, the point of the hatred. It's like, man, these guys just, they avoided each other. They, they walked around the area so they didn't have to interact mm-hmm. with them. And, it, it just makes his love become alive in 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 the story that he would stop for a person like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I love all that. I think the thing in my head too that's helpful to keep in mind is that it wasn't just you know Samaritans were what you might call like a, a mixture of cultures, and that they weren't let's say like 
purely Jewish. They had intermarried with other people groups. They had also mixed religions together. So I think that's another important thing to keep in mind is that there's a theological difference here. They even claimed that the temple was in a different place. They worshiped a different place. You can get a little bit of a hint of that in John 4 when Jesus interacts with a Samaritan woman. But it's this guy would not have just been an enemy, which I think you're, I love that you're pointing that out. There was a strong disagreement there. But for the lawyer in particular, this guy would have not just been an enemy. He would have been an enemy with all the wrong doctrine. Like, and not just his opinion. We would actually agree the Samaritans had an incorrect view of what the scriptures teach. So they were actually like political and theological heretics. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and Jesus uses this guy as a good example. The term good Samaritan would have been like, insulting or an oxymoron we are just so used to that term we're like yeah the good samaritan but it's like no that would have been like wait are there good samaritans is that even a thing and so i think what blows my mind and we had a little discussion about this even as we were writing it feels like jesus is saying to this lawyer look lawyer you have all the right doctrine you don't do anything this Samaritan has genuinely all the wrong doctrine, but he does the right thing. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying, if I had to choose between right doctrine and right action, I'm going with right action. And I'm not going to lie, that makes me really uncomfortable (laughs) because that is not how I think. And I am certainly on the wrong side of that equation of being the kind of person with, quote, correct beliefs and maybe not right action. So respond to that a little bit because I think it's just hard. That's kind of the balance between you and I, Aaron. I mean, like when you think of our differences, you would lean more towards the theological side, and I would lean more no towards the, the practical side. I'm I'm what you call a practical theologian, and Jesus just makes it clear that I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just saying. That <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's exactly what he does. <laughs> no, I, I I do think you see that in the text. I think we have to be careful though that we don't have to pick between those two. Right, we can have good theology and still practically live out the gospel and Mm -hmm. love every single day. But it is interesting that when Jesus is looking at a very smart, snarky theologian, that he's like, dude, uh, the practical seems to, to be a little more important than your brain power right now. Yeah. And that's, I guess maybe it's extra challenging for me because obviously that's my, that's my leaning. It's just, I get so, I'm like, I don't know that that's what you mean, Jesus. Like, can we be careful? If, if he had done a pre-preach to me, I would have been like, yeah, maybe we choose a different people group as your example, because remember they're heretics. And so we don't want to like celebrate a heretic. And I would have given him that feedback. I for sure would have tried to correct Jesus on that. But you also have to be careful like not to read too much into it because what if he was talking to someone who was really practical that had terrible doctrine? And sure. I think he might have twisted the story around to say, hey, that I'm glad you, you are living out this, but you also have to align your beliefs accurately. And right. so we have to have a, a, a good balance there. You just feel a little more convicted because, you know, maybe he was speaking to you a little bit more. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, sure. No, you're right. Um, Yeah. And I guess the whole point is the question he was answering was it's related to who will enter the kingdom of God, but it's really a subset of that question. It was who is my neighbor? So he's really telling the story to try to prove the point. What is a neighbor who is acting in a neighborly way? And he's not making a point about right doctrine or wrong doctrine or whatever. That does, that's not really the point of the story at that point. Um, and I do, man, there's nothing I love better than making a super simple truth complex by like, but what about, and I don't know, and don't you have to think about these implications and the nuance, and which, by the way, now that I mentioned that, I would like to do that right now <laughs> by saying, 
I, I felt like a small piece of pushback or even just clarification is the simplistic interpretation of the Good Samaritan is, okay, when I pass by, for instance, a homeless person on the side of the road, I should always stop and take care of their and all of their needs because that's what the Good Samaritan did and that's what this story is. But we've talked about even the importance of not necessarily doing what seems like the obvious thing of like, they just need money or they just need this or that. Like there are, you can actually hurt people by trying to help them that way. So I think sometimes... I'm convicted. I need to get my, you know, theoretical hiney off the couch and start doing something. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I feel like I have good, strong theoretical and philosophical reasons to not take action sometimes. Um, and uh, it's act- out of genuine ignorance of the right thing to do. I'm not like it's not a heart thing. I'm just like I don't know. I don't know how to help, so I just don't do anything. So help me understand that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's why it's important to understand the the Good Samaritan accurately and who we are in the story. That's why I talked about us being the victim in the story because I think essentially this story is more geared towards the gospel than it is about loving your neighbor. And and what I mean by that is, you know, you see that that homeless guy on the road and this you could easily take this story and say, I always have to stop and I always have to help. But I I do believe Jesus is talking about a bigger need than physical needs. I think he's talking about a a greater need than, you know, a home or something to eat. I think he's talking about us meeting people's greatest need with the hope of the gospel. And I, I think as Christians, we have to see past people's physical needs to their spiritual need. Um, and so sometimes it's not, Hey, here's 10 bucks, go get something. It's, Hey, let me let me tell you about Jesus because your life might be terrible here on earth, but I can promise you if you know Jesus, it'll get better in eternity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we use the physical so we can, like we meet physical needs so we can ultimately get people to their greatest needs which is the, the gospel and, and their hope for eternity. And so I just think we gotta be careful with this story that we don't put so much emphasis on physical needs that we miss out on the most important need because that's the story. We were, we were victims on the side of the road of our own sin and Jesus saved us from that need. Mm -hmm. And I love that's, yeah, that's all helpful. And the difficult, obviously situation here is that lawyers asking, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He says, love God, love your neighbor. Jesus is like, yep, that's right, go do it. And he's like, well, then who even is my neighbor? And then Jesus answers with this story. So it's all related to how to inherit eternal life or enter the kingdom of God. So it is gospel-centric in that sense. That's what he's talking about. And the story is that. It's just a story. It's illustrative of a principle that Jesus was trying to teach of who should I see as someone that I should help? And the answer is anybody that's in need. And we have come to understand, and we should understand, that people's greatest need is spiritual, not physical. But at the same time, that's that same concept um, could lead us to a place where we're like, hey, we just got to tell them about Jesus and walk away and not worry about any of their physical needs. And Jesus isn't about that. The Bible isn't about that. But at the same time, there's attention. We're not going to come to a solution right here on this podcast, but I just want to mention that like sometimes I do think it's easy to say we should just fix all the problems. Uh, I mean, we should just tell people about Jesus or we need to 
help every single homeless person ever. And neither one of those is probably the correct answer. And I don't even know that the good Samaritan gives us all the answers. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't know if it, it gives us all the answers. I do think Christians should respond more than we do. I think that that's something that's been challenging me in my own walk as I study this story is like, good night. How many times do I pass by when honestly, I don't, I pass by because I have filters to my love. And you know, I, the Bible says, you know, you know, how, how many of us say go in peace to people and stay warm and well-fed, but we do nothing about the physical needs. You know, the Bible says, what good is that? And so, man, I've just been challenged in my own personal life to see a need and meet a need. And you can meet needs in many different ways. So it doesn't like one thing Dave Baxter taught me, which is an elder in our church, carry a pair of Hanes socks, like a, a package of like 12 socks. And what I do is when I see a homeless person, I, I pull up, I'm like, Hey man, you want some warm socks? And man, I met a need and, and it's not to like check a box off, but it's like, and then I try to say, Hey, what's your name? Can I pray for you? Like, again, I'm meeting a physical need to get to the gospel need but I'm not just sitting driving by. I think yeah. we just have to think outside the box as Christians and respond more. I love that answer. I think we'll probably leave it at that. There's, this could be, uh, we have even done whole equip classes on how to help without hurting. And we have a whole, mm -hmm. there are whole books. And I would say that neither of us are experts on that. I'm certainly in the category of being not action oriented enough. Um, and so I don't know, I got a lot to learn. I certainly have filters and man, something you said on Sunday that was really convicting to me was like, they made their bed, let them sleep in it. I don't, I would never use those words, but goodness gracious, if you were to look at my patterns, it's real it's real close to being that a book that's been helpful to me as somebody who likes to live in the theoretical is the book when helping hurts, um, books like toxic charity. Uh, I can't even remember their names, Brian, something and Steve, something, it doesn't matter. It, Google it. Those are really good books and, um, can help us frame this idea, especially because we just need to remember that poverty is not just Poverty is not just physical, it's also spiritual, and all of us are poor in various ways. So materially poor people are not different than materially rich people. We, uh, we all have both of those dynamics to our life, material and spiritual. So anyway, we, I've talked enough around it. Thanks for your insights. Uh, and I'm hoping that, um, yeah, we can continue to do better this area, take some more action. Tell us what we can look forward to this weekend. Uh, this weekend, I'm excited about the next two weekends. Um, we're kind of just walking the week journey into Easter. So um, we're going to be taking communion together. Um, as Jesus walks towards the cross, we're going to remember the cross and all that it means to us. But then it's going to lead us into Easter, where we're going to look at the Easter story a little differently, which I'm excited about. We're actually going to look at, obviously, we're going to look at Jesus's resurrection, but really we're going to focus on what he did after his resurrection. Like, what do you do after the most important moment in history? And we're going to look at that. And so I'm pumped. Um, remember, we've got services Sunday, Monday, and we're on uh, television as well. Um, share that stuff with people and let's continue to move forward with what God is leading us to. Yep. And guys, if you got any questions, of course, always hit us up podcast at northridgerochester.com. We'd love to hear from you. Try to be as responsive as we can to those questions. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay distant, and we'll see you soon.